root. Kalo, inlay, mandalay, bagan, Mount Papa, and back to Yangon. Every street is turned into a market at some point in the day or night. People seem to want to sit as close to the squalor of the filthy, dusty streets as possible while sipping their tea at tiny kindergarten school-sized tables and chairs. Fruit and vegetable and other food vendors lay their wares out on the streets, on the pavement, oblivious to the dust and the scuffle from the passing feet. The food is stranger, more fascinating and more frightening. Bulls, penises, an assortment of grilled meats bring people close around a minute grill. Fried, crunchy grasshoppers sold cold by the cup Drinks are cooled through ice in two layers of muslin, suspended in cones from two rings. There's a kind of mobile ice cream roulette. You pay for one ice cream on a stick. They spin the wheel and it stops on either a one or a two. If you get two, you get two ice creams for the price of one. They're very small, only about the size of a thumb, and made in lightning speed from a mixture of something milky, which is poured into metal ice molds and placed in a barrel with lots of slots in it. They insert a wooden stick into the mold, and the vendor then shakes the barrel, which sounds like it's filled with ice, and then the mixture is frozen, and then they have ice cream. Another street vendor is the betel nut roller, though the sight of it, fascinating as it was, did not make me want to move from cigarettes to betel chewing. These are the best things about Yangon. Buying bus tickets to Galore was an ordeal. It took us about three hours waiting at a little counter opposite the train station. It was hot, and we both tried to keep our sense of humor. They asked us if we minded taking separate buses, or going to a different city, or leaving on different dates, but we wanted to go the next day. We didn't have time to waste. We did get tickets in the end, and paid more for it. Were we taken for a ride? I think not. It's just the way things are done here, slowly and with a bit of graft. Tomorrow we leave for the hills. Dust, heat, dirt, mounds of rubbish, lucky pigs wallowing in cool mud, broken air-conditioned bus. I look enviously at water buffaloes leaving clouds of dust fogging the road for a quiet meander into paddy-side ponds. Ducks and geese wag their tails against the hyacinth-choked streams, and dogs nose through the dirt to find tasty grime-covered bones. Children squat on the roadside, lifting big rocks from small ones to lay new roads. Roads like the one we are hurtling along at 40 kilometers an hour. So far, I like the water buffalo 
bullock carts and pigs best. The road building company appears to prefer child labor over adult, perhaps because they're cheaper or free. Groups of these child laborers sit stoking fires around black barrels of smoking tar, readying them for laying the highway. Desertification seems to be taking its hold on the land as roads, cattle and people take their toll. Graves along the road appear forgotten and are untended. Creepers and weeds make their home among them. And convenient gaps between the large tombs make for easy dump sites. We saw a government sign in one town saying, Please give necessary assistance to all international travellers. The bus driver loves his horn and his Burma pop music. I prefer the Buddhist chants he stuck on for an hour before we set off. The aircon is back on and the sun is setting. It has been four and a half hours since we started. I cannot say how much longer because that would be tempting fate according to the Burmese. I tend to agree. All the bus journeys roll into one in my memory. On another journey, the bus broke down three times. The last time we waited drinking coffee by the roadside as the driver called a replacement bus. It took a couple of hours to arrive. After that, night fell. We couldn't sleep because the driver put on Mimi's soap operas to play all night long. Mimi's soap operas mostly seemed to revolve around farming life and there was one girl with Tanika on her cheeks who seemed to be the star and was always getting into wailing matches with all the other characters. Our fellow passengers seemed to enjoy it tremendously and laughed and looked at us and laughed again. The next day it was hot, the air conditioning broke down again, everybody was sweating in their long G's, even us, and the air in the bus grew ripe and pungent. We rolled down the windows and enjoyed the cool breeze playing through our hair as we watched the Myanmar's countryside roll by in yellows, umbers and siennas. Essentials. Hello, Minglaba, Minglaba, Tipsy, Monday, Monday, Drunk, Mude, Mude. Thank you, Jezube, Jezube, Beautiful, Lade, Lade, Handsome, Chode, Chode. You're welcome, Kikamushi Bapu. Kikamushi Bapu. Arrived at 4.30 a.m. Very sleepy and still drugged from the travel sickness pills. The air was cold and my teeth chattered 
on the way to the Golden Kalor Inn. The hill town is clean and cool and peaceful. We arrived on market day, which comes around every five days. All the tribes people in their traditional longi and headscarves come down from the surrounding hills to sell their wares, spices, vegetables, flowers, cloth, meat, and fish so fresh they were still jumping, anything and everything else. They are all smiles, and we are as much a curiosity to them as they are to us. We met some monks in a monastery who wanted an English book from us, but we had none to give. Charles' trekking guide, Come Taylor, insisted he was Pakistani slash Indian mix, not Burmese. I've seen a few green eyes like the Kashmiris here. We went walking around town and out onto the hillside where three cute kids carrying a hibiscus each walked up to me and handed me their flowers. I spent a lazy day washing clothes, looking at people and a goldsmith molding a gold ring from a nugget. About to have a delicious dinner of curries, chapatis, raita and samba. Mandalay beer and rice. Kalor. Hill tribes, paddy fields nested in valleys between the hills. Beautiful Palawang tribes and serene Danu tribes with their water buffalo. Train station village with satellite TV. around Kalor. The air was cool. It was forested, but sparsely, so if you stopped you could look down or look up and see beautiful views of farms and farmhouses. We passed through a few and saw little pot-bellied pigs. It was dusty on the road and we stopped at a lake and I went swimming. It was cool and fresh and walking on. I was refreshed by wet clothes as the day grew warmer and the sun beat down. We passed farmers carrying great big bundles of sticks on their backs and husband and wife with baskets for backpacks. I don't know what was in them. Everybody smiles and stops to look at us as we walk past. We walked for hours and it was nearly dark when we reached the hilltop where we would camp the couple who took us in were Nepalese. When they fed us, I could hardly keep my eyes open. I was so tired from walking all day. And we stumbled to a barn where they had cots set up with beds and fresh sheets. And we collapsed fully clothed and slept soundly in the dark and the quiet and the cool of the mountain air. And in the morning we were aching and sore, but there was hot tea, which they made fresh and showed us their oven where they would roast the tea leaves. And we set off with a full day of more trekking and staring at beautiful hills. There were blisters on my feet for days afterwards. Mm -hmm. 
Inlay. Villages on stilts cultivating floating plantations of tomato. Other floating villages have started cottage industries in silk weaving on looms, silver and gemwork jewelry, blacksmith tools, cheroot making, lacquerware, paper flower decked umbrellas, lotus stem cloth, bamboo sun hats. Water buffalo are led by children each evening to bathe in the canals after a hard day's work. Fishermen drop their nets in the dawn light and row back one-legged to their floating villages in the heat of the day as it gets stronger. Tomato farmers harvest the submerged water plants for fertilizer. Women in drenched longi and naked children bathe in the rivulets and lake water beside their houses. Fresh homemade pasta and fruit chocolate pancakes and strawberry lassie restaurants everywhere. We met a Saki monk at the Jumping Cat Monastery, who is obviously very world-weary and bored of the tourists who come not for enlightenment or to talk politics, but to see the twelve monastery cats jump through hoops. The monk with the round face who taught them to do this, perhaps out of a need to pass the time originally, now appears to be trapped in a personal hell where he has to make his cats jump all day for the amusement of tourist visitors. And then there was Taka, meaning precious, a law student who helps her brother and mother with their restaurant in the holidays, is a smart girl. She has a mischievous sense of humor. She loves cracking jokes and laughs a lot. She wants to study in the US and come back to Myanmar to practice law. And then there was this old woman with no teeth and from her hacking smokes too many cheroots. Gives a wicked Burmese massage for only 2,000 chat an hour. Mandalay. 11 hour bus ride ends at 7am with the first of a torrent of water being poured on us as we leave the bus by some jokers astride an adjacent one. We are soaked through and drip constantly for the next four days. All shops are shut and the streets turn to rivers soon after as truckloads, pickup loads and motorbike loads of youths party away with water. Warm, tepid, icy cold with big blocks of ice. Lots of booze and lots of spraying red beetel nut jump out of the way. My white shirt is drenched in water and red beetel nut. Hydrants are turned on and hoses hook up to them as street corners to soak every passing passenger in every passing car, bike, jeep, trishaw, bicycle, by the palace moat stages chock-a-block with partying youths touting hoses spraying moat water. Music everywhere and everyone mooded.
We escaped the wet for a couple of hours by climbing Mandalay Hill and entertaining a group of children at the top temple by moonlight. They and their parents live on the hill where their shops lie in the steps and temples. Some temples have been taken over by them for sleeping, eating and watching TV next to Buddha shrines. Rubbish lines the hillside. The children are the cutest during the festival, and we have fun having water fights with them in the streets, carrying water bottles as weapons and replenishing our ammunition at frequently placed barrels of water. Visited a big pyre in the midst of the madness the second evening, which was overrun with swallows and squirrels. We rescued a sparrow in shock from the clutches of a little kid. We left it on a ledge. I hope it survived. Mosquitoes swarm after our wet clothes, shoes, and bags. We saw the Mustache Brothers show. It was interesting to see what a poem must be like, but it was sad to see now they have to perform only for tourists. A nightly one-hour show, whereas before it was from 8.30pm till dawn on special occasions for their countrymen. After Papa Lay cracked a joke seven years ago, he was jailed for five years. His brother does most of the talking now. Poi dance is very energetic and takes a lot of leg muscle, grace and balance. Bagan Boat down the Ayurwadi from 6am to 4.30pm. Sunrise was beautiful. The sand levees lining the banks are dotted with fishing villages and sparsely with trees. Large rafts are seen mid-river sometimes, as well as small fishing canoes. It is the dry season, so the boat has to go carefully. Occasionally we scrape the bottom of the sandbank and wonder about the real possibility of being stuck till the next rains. We seem to be meandering our way down in a forwards and backwards, sideways, other ways, progress. It is slow and the boat moves imperceptibly. If not for the dotted boats surrounding us, it would seem we wouldn't move at all. As we near Bagan, the heat becomes oppressive and despite the breeze blowing and the comfy restaurant armchairs we have hijacked for the trip, we are in an oven. It is day three of the water festival, and as soon as we arrive at Bagan, we realize our assumption that soaking clothes would be forgotten in Mandalay is mistaken. We are soaked. Our bags are soaked on the trishore ride from the jetty to the hotel. More youths, more kids, more women, more buckets, more bottles, more hoses. Keep smiling or we'll go crazy. Hey you, where you go? We rent bikes the next day. 
get soaked at every turn in baking 40 degree pagan. We cycle way off me on a broken bike with flat tires, no brakes, a crooked handlebar and rear mud guard scraping the back tire too close. We wind up in New Bagan. It is Burmese New Year's Eve and there are buses and cattle truckloads full of Myanmese going to all the temples. After a crowded big one and a quiet remote one, we head off to a remoter group. We climb another and look at the view. The last is the best, and we have only monks with us watching the sunset. On New Year's Day, we go with two French people by cab to Mount Popa along with what seems like the whole population of Myanmar. We climb an insane stairway to the green temples on top, where the crowd forms frequent, stagnant, sweating, heaving, shouting bottlenecks. It feels like being caught in a rave. Monks with large canes thwack the beams and ceilings and people's heads loudly, trying to make the crowd move orderly very intimidating. The gnat statues on top give the crowd something to ogle at for a while. Then, much to our embarrassment, we get escorted down by the disciplinarian master monk before all the pushing me and me's crowd. The gnat pui at the bottom in a hall was very fascinating. Plonking, clanging, trumpeting, gonging, clinging, tinkling instruments. Women dancers blessing people with peacock feathers, touting money in their headdresses and outfits, helped by a pretty transvestite. 